to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio. Alongside my wife, Pam, this is Dr. Corey Allen, where we're having honest, straightforward conversations about what you want to know, because this is listener-driven radio, especially during this interim of while Shannon is taking some time away from the show and Pam's filling the chair, and we're asking you to send emails, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, but we're also asking you to call us and leave a message about what you want covered and what your questions are. And you can do that at 214-702-9565. And that's what we're spending some time today doing is answering some calls because I love it when our listeners are engaged in our show. Absolutely. That's what makes it so great. And it absolutely is. And that also helps us know exactly what we need to be discussing and what questions you've got and the issues that you want to address. So um, if you have a question or a topic or you like the show, you don't like the show, whatever, um, email us, call us, 214-702-9565, or jump on iTunes and leave us any kind of a comment or a review that helps us spread the word and climb the charts. So with that being said, um, I think we just go to our first call. Yeah, let's do. Hey, Corey, John and Steph here. Uh, we had a couple of um, ideas and things that maybe we could share for uh, the show's sake. One is sex after childbirth and uh, the normal highs and lows that go on with that. We've definitely experienced a change in focus and sex drive with having an infant. Um, and, you know, we're kind of wondering when things are going to get back to normal, you know, pre-pregnancy. Um, and then also um, what it's like to always have had children in the marriage because when Steph and I got married, I had a five-year-old. So we've never known a house completely free of children. Um, so if there's anything there that you want to explore, please feel free. Hope you guys are doing great. Happy Thanksgiving and say hi to Pam for us. Well, I love John and Steph. We've, we've met them. Oh, they're great. And they just, they have a brand new son. Yes, they do. And then uh, what what John alluded to of a, a child when they came into the marriage being a second marriage for him. And we met him at the Sexy Marriage Radio getaway last year. So John, thank you for calling us. So Getting sex going again after childbirth. And there's there's a lot that is in, goes into this. And some of that, I just start off on the medical side. Whether you have a C-section or a vaginal birth can, can drastically affect, um, you know, how you get back into that, yes. number one, or even what the doctor recommends for, for actual intercourse. Right. Uh, but there's, there's a lot that plays into it. You've got... Um, Number one, is she even ready yet? Uh, in right. different marriages, right? Well, is, yeah, is she is she physically ready yet? Um, that and that plays into it. There's also the whole mental image that goes into it. Of my body is so different, I just don't feel sexy at all. True. Yeah, that's it. It is a hit because I think of it as there's a glow a lot of times with a pregnant woman. And she might feel um, not sexual desirous, but feel alive and feel vibrant. But it's a different kind of a feeling. I don't know. I'm, oh, it's I've the whole mother pregnant. nature glow <laughs> kind of thing. There is, I'm, I'm, I guess every lady's different. Some, sure. some ladies may say, what, what are you talking about here? But um, yeah, there's something beautiful about being pregnant and the, the workings that are going on in that. Right. 
but union at, you have with the child, at, yes. but the union with your spouse feels a little different right, when all that's going on. I, I would think uh, just from the stuff I've come across um, and then the clients where we've talked about this subject specifically, there is a correlation between um, how sexual were you during the pregnancy okay, versus what happens afterwards. Because there are some people, um, even with the husbands, when there's during the pregnancy, uh, once the once she starts really showing, I've had several husbands who are like, you know what, I don't want to have intercourse anymore because it just it's a mind game of like, there's something in there, you know. <laughs> there's they feel there's, like they're going to damage it or something. There's a child there, and it just so it just changes the, it just changes the context, and and so that can really uh, throw a caveat and a, a curveball to your to your sex life, and then. I would think that would carry over to afterward then. Absolutely it would. And so that's that's the whole point is if you've if you've changed a lot during the pregnancy, then you're talking about not just okay, now we're ready to go when he might have been waiting the whole time, waiting, okay, well once she's finally had the kid, then we're ready to go rather than they both have had had it going on in the middle of pregnancy, so maybe it's a little bit easier. So that's one concept to at least explore to put two and two together to see all right, what are we really facing? Is this something that changed a lot or not? Yeah. Okay. Uh, during the pregnancy. The other is I just think of it when you talk about um a, a kid being in the world now and the the schedule and the what we affectionately called the fog. Um <laughs> it's when totally you, a fog. you didn't know what what daylight was and <laughs> when you could leave the house and Sleep was a a, a valuable commodity because you didn't get a lot of it. And so you're trying to work out all of that on top of still contain maintain a marriage. And so I think of it that there's there's huge hits to your psyche, to your energy, to um, just your connection that can happen because you can have conflicts over, uh, do I feel good as a parent? Am I doing this well? And that plays over into your identity. Um, and then I, I just think of it um, for women that now all of a sudden you've got a child. And so you've got more than just that child fighting for time on the breast. And that's an issue because it's like, hold on, I got everything in the world clinging to me and coming after me. And I just need a break. Well, and the breast is so much different now mm -hmm. it's a different object when you after you have that first kid I mean if you're working on child number five okay whatever you you've kind of been through that if you're working on if you're with child number one there is a, a mental shift there mm -hmm. there is this season of life that you're realizing uh, or you really you feel like your body is not your own right whether that be a baby wanting to latch on or feeling like the husband is there wanting to latch on. And it's like, wait a second. I really would like to just have my body for myself for a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, I, Yeah, I want to have connection with my husband. But I would really like to just have my body for a little while. So <laughs> there's that. Give me a little bit of right. season to to grab onto my own body right now. Right. And, and that then leads to um, if you are breastfeeding. And let, let's go with a, a, a in-between on that, where it's not just a, a give me my own time, but there's still a, you know what, I still want to be sexual, but there's areas of me that feel different. Um, because if you're nursing, um, sex 
is going to produce lactation. When you get aroused, you're, you will start lactating. And so that is a practical reality. You've got to figure out that there will be leakage. Yeah, it's you have to factor that into when, the whole when process. When you're aroused. And so sometimes it, it's, con it's conducive to, and this sounds, this is not foreplay, the way you normally think of it is pump beforehand if you're planning sex, nurse beforehand if you're planning sex, uh, feel free to wear or put on a nursing bra, a tank top, something just to kind of help. And it, maybe even you work out a, a situation of, hey, you know what? The breasts are off limits this time. You know, cause maybe, I'm sure he'd be fine with that for a while. Maybe so. And but the whole point is you're communicating your way through this. You're navigating it together and you're saying, I, I understand your need. Because there's also the element of if you've got a wife that's saying, my body's not my own and let me just have it. But what if I still try to am, I am involved with you? Because I know you're still interested in some release and some connection and some time together that is sexual, but maybe I'm just not going to be as sexual with you, but I want to still be involved and I want to be a part of that. And that can be a great conversation that might segue into something. Uh, well, sure. There, and again, I, I refer to it, I guess, as a season. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, an, and within that newborn phase, <laughs> with the hormonal changes, the season may change within a 48-hour period. Right. And so today I've really got to just have my body to myself. Right. Tomorrow, yeah, I really need that connection with you. We really need to get that back back together. So I guess the question is um how do you how do you create some of that connection so that there is a desire? And then I want to go back to John's question of when will our sex situation go back? You know, I okay. mean, he asks point blank, yep. what kind of time frame are we talking right. about here? Okay. So the first one on, cause that is a great point, Pam, on maintaining a connection. Cause it is easy to think, okay, we're getting so slammed with this whole idea of just taking care of a child, taking care of a house, figuring out the new schedule, who gets up at night, who's working, Who's not? What's the time? You know, family coming and going, visitors coming and going, all the appointments that you have. So it's easy to think, okay, we need to make sure we keep, keep focus on the marriage. And we're only going to do that by just having sex rather than no, we need to maintain a connection as husband and wife, as, as lovers, as friends, not just as parents, not just as co-managers of this creature. Right. That's how eventually the... That's your foundation. Stronger te sexual yeah. desire is going to come in later. Yeah, that's what you build off. And so I think of the best advice um, I've come across is is what you and I actually did by chance um, with our firstborn. Of we got in a habit, and I think it was largely at your uh, behest of I want to start walking regularly to get my body back <laughs> to, yes. to what it was. And so every night we put our daughter in the stroller and it became part of our bedtime routine, if you will, that sometime mid evening or so we took off on a pretty long walk. Some nights were really long, but as long as she was kind of staying in the, in the groove with us and not being real fussy, but we walked every single night cause we had her in May and we walked until it got too cold in Texas to have her out regularly, which 
isn't real cold, but it's still. It's <laughs> but it's that still walking made a together, difference. I look back at it. That was huge for us as a couple. Yeah. Well, and it, her in the stroller, she relaxed, right? Yep. And and she was rarely fussy. But yeah, we we walked side by side. We talked, talked through the day, whatever went on, and um, it, it it was right. a good connection time, and it was. It wasn't anything that we consciously thought one way or another, other than I wanted to get out of the house. Yeah. I had been working. I guess I wanted to see her. Yeah. Um, but. But we wanted to just not come home and just be. We wanted we wanted to be active and we wanted to do something. And that's the beauty of a walk is you're not then focused on just each other. You're focused on doing something together. It's something bigger than you. So that's a huge thing to do to get active. The other is a date night. Uh, steal some time away. Uh, if you have a babysitter you trust or a family member that can take an hour, <laughs> then do it. Um, if you have a family member you really trust and that wants the child for the whole night, give them to them for the whole night and go away for the evening. And don't put the litmus test on, did we have sex or not while we were gone? Put the litmus test on, were we able to connect with each other? Were we able to just relax with each other and laugh and enjoy? Because you think of all the pressures you have as a parent. That it can get, you get so convoluted in things that you kind of lose your way. And so I would say, John, since you're the one that called in, um, lead the charge in this. Uh, set up some scenarios and invite Steph on a date. And, and arrange, you know, talk, obviously when you're talking about a firstborn, if, if I think that's what this is for Steph, um, then you're talking about making sure she's comfortable. You don't, you don't arrange somebody to babysit and say, oh, she's gotta be, he's going to be fine and make her just swallow it. No, you, you bring her on board with it, but war, set the, lead the charge in that. Yeah, well, I'm going to add in too, I don't know if you're talking about, uh, for all the listeners out there, whether you have a stay-at-home mom, or maybe there's a stay-at-home dad, mm-hmm. or if you're both working, there comes a time where you've got to have your own just mental Sabbath away from the kid, away from your spouse. So maybe each of you just be aware if you need that, ask for it. Yep. Hey, can you take the kid? I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I'm going to eat. I'm going to go get a massage. I'm going to go just be and sit on a park bench. I just, whatever it is, I, take a book with you and get away. Mm-hmm. Have that mental break for yourself because it's, it's healthy for us all to have some, yes. some time to just be alone and not feel like we've got to be there providing for someone else. Yep. Um, and that, I think, also helps then when you're back together, bring that connection because you've, you've been able to maybe rejuvenate yourself a little bit. Yep. Self-care is health care, right? Absolutely. It is. And so then the other last thing I think of is, and then we got to ask his answer his last question. Okay. Of, of how long to expect. But the other thing I think of is in the midst of all of the things that go along with raising a child, look for suggestive moments in that that don't even seem like they're suggestive. You know, it's that whole, how can you interject some levity, some, uh, some fun, some flirtatious, where it's not going to produce the result right then and there. It's not a move for, hey, let's go right now. But it's a this is still an aspect of our relationship, and I want to make sure it's still on the radar. Of I just think of it when she's, you know, if, if she looks up at you and she's got a big old poopy diaper in her hand and she looks at you with this perplexed look of stress, 
if you can catch yourself, a great response is, are you coming on to me? You know, just, <laughs> just something that's kind of a, okay, this is just kind of a fun way to keep the marriage, the, the relationship aspect of it. As part of the thing. Yeah, it brings some comedy into, yes. hey, this isn't a sexy moment at all. Right. But and if you can it, laugh at yourselves, then that's a great thing. That's a, that's a huge aphrodisiac. And that's a huge thing that helps with your spirit. Yeah. Which Continue then, the touch, too. Yes. Right? Because even if, um, for her, you know, continue to, to touch your husband and... For him, continue to touch her. She yep. wants to know she's still wanted, even though maybe she's got this mental picture of herself after post baby that isn't the best. Well, Continues just touch throughout, and the touch may the need to be much more non sexual because there's baby on the breast a lot, and there's some of those things that are the sexual organs. They're like, don't touch those. So hold hands, hand on the leg, right. hand arm around. Um, yeah, those are good things. Then the last thing that you asked John on. How long to expect this? Um, well, medically speaking, it's six weeks, depending on what the doctor says. If you talk about just in general, um, you guys had this had the child up long ago from that. I mean, so you're past that. But how do you get it back to normal? I think you have to recognize you're now in a different season of sex life. It's a different normal. Right. So you're going to create a new normal. It's not going to be how do we get back to the old normal. It's we're going to create a new normal. And this new normal, which you've already had some experience when you're talking about you've always had a marriage with a child involved, um, this new normal has interrupted sex. This new normal has noises in other parts of the house sex. This new normal (laughs) has some things that aren't normally sexy kind of feels, (laughs) but you figure out and you grow and and you learn to laugh with it and you learn to, okay, hold on. So we got a knock on the door right at one of the most inopportune moments of foreplay. That doesn't mean we can't pick it back up at some point later, right after we take care of whatever the knock of the door was for. So I think that's all good stuff to just recognize. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't give a set time frame it doesn't. to him, but that, gosh, I don't know that there is a canned stereotypical no. time frame. Well, I think the time frame is that there's a new normal. That you're, you're creating something new. You're embarking on new territory now. Okay. So I want to take a, a quick moment to break from our normal show, just the normal back and forth that you and I are going to do, and tell everybody that's a regular listener to Sexy Marriage Radio that Melt, if, you've, if you're new to Sexy Marriage Radio, Melt is a relationship that I have with uh, Dennis Merkus. He's out of Australia, and he's a masseuse. He's a massage therapist. And he trains couples in the art of good massage. And it's not risque. It's not inappropriate, although it could easily segue into it if you wanted to use this as part of uh, your repertoire of your sex life. But he is offering up uh, for Christmas. He's actually creating his own massage oil. And this is actually the professional-grade massage oil that he uses and has used for the past 17 years. And so he is getting ready to launch an invitation only. It's not for the public, so you guys are a part of the no, a part of the no crowd, that it's exclusive select number of, of bottles that are available. He's got 700 that he's doing at below cost that he's selling these things. Wow, that's so a great deal. It's massage oils at 50% off. Um, it, the pre-launch will happen somewhere in the next couple of weeks. And so to get on this, you have to go to simplemarriage.net forward slash melt. That's M-E-L-T, simplemarriage.net forward slash melt. 
click the link there, or you can go to sexymarriageradio.com to the show notes of today's show. Click the link there, and that'll take you to the pre-launch page where you sign up. And the sign up, you can cancel at any time. There's no cost to sign up at all. It's just an invitation link so that you will be notified via email once the sale goes live. So you can buy the buy a massage oil for 50% off. And if you have not, don't do not have the video series of how he teaches you to actually create have good couples massage. Once you buy a uh, your bottle of massage oil, you can actually pick up the Melt video series for $59, which is 40, 40% off. That's so a great a deal. Great Christmas present. Yeah, and those are great videos. They really are. Well Dennis, done. Very classy. Dennis is a great, has become a really good friend. And so uh, take advantage of this. Simplemarriage.net forward slash Melt. And that's how you can find, uh, how you can get on the list to get your bottle. Hi, I received an auto return email from you, so I thought I'd go ahead and call on the line. Um, the basic question would be, how do you get around when you're the higher desire partner? Do you get around when your lower desire partner responds to you, but we have sex the average amount of time? We didn't get married until our late 30s, and it's my second marriage, her first. And we weren't shrinking violets when we met. And so we talked a great length about how we wanted all sorts of things to go, finances, spirituality. We were on board with everything, including sex. But that changed after a number of difficulties, including uh, surgery, some life crises, parents passing away, uh, things that kind of hit, you know, everyone at some point. But we're older. And quite often the response that I get, even after asking do I support you? Do Am I there for you? Am I a good partner for you? And the answer is yes, you're great. You're, you're a rock star. You do everything so wonderfully. But all, all nearly always, the anger when it comes to saying, but I want this, and we said we were going to do it, and now we're not. And the defense is nearly always, well, it, it's the average, and that's what happens. So I was wondering if you had a way to get around that. And my name is Neil. Thanks. All right, Neil, thank you for calling. So... What do you do when you're the higher desire partner and your response to your conversations about, wait, when we went into this thing, we were going to have more sex. We were, we, we, was, it was, we were up front about it. I was up front about my desire level. I was up front about my, ish, my interest level. And even it sounds like, because he's also emailed the show from a couple months back, and there's information in there that says they both were engaged and active and involved and and now, with life coming along, blended family happening, all of a sudden now, things change. So how do you get around as hires our partner when what's being told doesn't line up with what's happening? Is that kind of a good way to capture? That's what it sounds like. And, and I'm, I'm guessing this is pretty common. Right. That, that the, there's a response from a spouse saying, well... We're having the average amount. Maybe it's different wording of, well, we're having sex just as much as what the stats say or whatever. Why aren't you happy yeah, so with we're normal. how much we're having? Yeah, yeah, we're normal. Why would you expect more? <laughs> how do you answer that? Because my guess is this isn't the first time you've gotten that question when you're talking about clients coming and sitting in, your, yeah. in the chair in your office. Yeah, What's the so, response? So you've got a couple different things that need to be explored. Um, one is the idea of the what are the nuances of a blended family? Because that adds a different component. Because if you think about it, from, from what I've heard uh, from report from clients, 
and Neil might be the same kind of a thing that um, when you're coming into a, a second marriage, dating after divorce um, is is very fairy tellish might be too strong, but it it really is kind of an escape because all of a sudden now you've got a woman in Neil's case that's into you, and maybe part of the reason why your marriage failed was it was you didn't feel that, and it was void and absent and and painful and sad and there's a lot of different things and now all of a sudden you've got these endorphins going on in your brain that have boosted your spirit and so you're on cloud nine and you're feeling engaged and involved and she's interested in everything you say is funny and all the stuff that that you have and so when you're dating during that that's usually away from the kids Right. So okay. now all of a sudden you're having to blend in a family. So when you move into and, each other and you're bringing up the blended family, because in his email, he said that they did. It yes. was blended. Right. Yes. They each had they each had a, daughter a child that they brought into that they them, brought into the marriage. And so now all of a sudden when you move in together, um, that can throw a, a real wrench in the system because you could now all of a sudden have some things, even unbeknownst to yourself, you didn't even realize, wow, I'm I'm noticing myself being really concerned in the middle of sex of does one of my kids hear us or does her child hear us or do they know what's going on if they're teenagers? And, and so now all of a sudden you just feel kind of awkward and that can shut you down. And, okay, and, that's... and that can make you much more reserved. Yeah. You're talking about if you're bringing in kids together that are already a little more grown or teenagers versus if you've had the kids together or they're coming in together when they're young, because if they're young, they're, Typically, kids sleep well. When they're older, not always. And so you you got noises when it's bedtime, and you've got... So you just have different concerns that maybe you hadn't even thought about when you were dating. Because if, if you were sexually active while you were dating, then that's all away from the kids. That's all, you know, you're typically a blended family. You don't meet her children or his children until you know it's serious. Right. And I think his comments in here were that they were sexually active prior to marriage, yeah. right? It, yes, it right. was. So how can we get it back to where it was? We talked about wanting to keep this frequency um, of sex. We wanted, We talked about finances. We right. talked about spirituality before, but that changes when you got, bring that blended family all together. That also changes when you get married because sex during dating and just your sexual energy during dating is different than sex during life. Why? <laughs> because when you live life with each other, it's not it's not the uh, energy and the passion of I dropped you off at your house and so I can't wait to see you again. So I have this longing because we're not interwoven so much. We're not connected so much with other aspects of our life to the point that you can't, you don't piss me off like you would if I live with you. Because now all of a sudden when I'm living with somebody, I'm fighting about the fact that you don't know what a clothes hamper is or that you don't know how to get something from the sink to the dishwasher or you have a light on that's ridiculously long forever when you leave the house and I'm always picking up after you. Now you get all these other nuances that start playing out that you got no clue about when you're dating. You get, you get a picture of it because you kind of see their house and you realize, wow, they live messy. We'll just hang out at my house. But then when all of a sudden you get married, you're like, now that mess just came to your house <laughs> or you moved into the mess. And that plays out. That's a real issue because it deals with our comfort level. And when we're not comfortable, we don't get aroused. <laughs> it's easy. Well, there's that. I, and, and that makes sense. I'm curious how much of it is it's not forbidden anymore. 
So it's not yeah. as exciting potentially. Yeah. I know some people don't think it's forbidden before marriage. Yeah. Um, that does, that adds an, an aviat, a I caveat. I think a lot of our it. listeners think it was. Yeah. It adds a caveat to it because of the taboo or the risqueness, or that adds a lot of energy because of the novelty and the eroticism of it and the newness of it with a new person. But it, it's still, when life plays out, when it comes to our sex life and we live life with each other, there are things, there's just not things hidden like there once was. And that wreaks havoc when we don't quite catch that and we don't understand it. So recognizing how do I get it back like it was? Yeah, you're not going to. This is the same thing we talked about with John. You're going to create a new normal. You're going to create something different. And, and you're going to try to figure out that, okay, if this is our normal then how do I confront this normal better rather than comparing it to what it was? Because I can't confront that anymore. I'm past that. So I've got to deal with what's right in front of me. So it's looking at, uh, Neil, I'll, I'll talk to you straight out man to man with this one. Because she says, when you ask, if I'm a good partner, if I'm there for you, and she's like, yes, you're great. You're a rock star. You do everything so wonderfully. But then when it comes to sex, she gets angry because she's like, I don't want it the, as much as you do. I don't, like, I don't like your desire as much as you do. It sounds to me like what you're trying to do is you want her to agree to your level of desire. Am I wrong with that, Pam? I mean, am I... No, you, I, that's how I'm hearing it, too. Okay, so you want her buy-in on your level. Not going to happen. She might, in theory... It doesn't sound like she does. Well, he wants her buy-in, but he feels like he had an agreement from her before the marriage started. Sure. That said, hey, here's the sex level we sure. like, and here's what we've had. Yep. And he felt like he had her buy-in. Yep. And I married a 20-year-old. Wow. I, you, were, you were 20 when we got married. So you're not 20 now, and it's a different woman I'm married to, even though you are still you, Pam. Sure. So Neil got married older. He got married in his 30s. Fair, fair enough. But we don't marry the same person as it goes along. I mean, we have, they, they change, they evolve, they shift, they, you know, they mature, they, their, their likes and dislikes shift and evolve and change. So it's, it's recognizing you've got to confront where you are now and see that not compared to what it was as much. Because that can't be the litmus test because you're not going to live up to that. She never could at this point. Because even in the email you talked about, she's had surgery. She's had loss of parents. Um, she said there's been a lot of different things that have happened. That Man, those are all hits. And those all take grieving. And they take maturing and growing and dealing with. And so it's recognizing, okay, this is life now. This is real life. This is real marriage. So... Sex maybe needs to move to tenderness, and it needs to move to comfort, and it needs to move to compassion and sharing and giving, and, and maybe it doesn't even have intercourse. Maybe it's just sexual connection, but there's no intercourse, and there's no release. It's just the bond, and it's the makeout, and it's some of the other things that you haven't brought in. So I guess my thought to me is, Neil, if you're trying to get her to buy in, what that leads you to do is you just need to pursue that she's not going to just say, oh, okay, I, I get it, so keep pursuing. Because you even said in the email you sent prior, um, you backed off, and she got mad that you backed off. So she wants it. Right. She so likes she, it. She wants to she be likes pursued. She pursued. Right. And so 
I'm going to just put it this way as we kind of wrap up this episode. You're already feeling rejected because it's not happening the way you, th- you had discussed ahead of time it was going to happen, right? That, yeah, so it sounds like. So you're already feeling rejected. Why not confirm it by making moves? <laughs> just see. Rejection's just rejection. That's all it is. So how do you just try to pursue her more? How do you, if you don't want to be the average couple, and that's her baseline response of I don't want to be, well, we're average. It's normal. Well, I don't want, I want more. Well, then you, you, you lead the way towards more. You set the tone for more. You pursue more. You add in the novelty. You add in the creative things. You, you put the rose petals on the, on the bed. You do a bunch of the different things that um, show her you're into it, that you're into her. And you test it out. If she says she, she already, she likes you. She's, you're a rock star to her. So what she said. So go after her. I think that that's, and, and there's a lot of times, Neil, you're not alone in this, that I'll, I fall victim to it too, of it's this idea of I, we had this conversation and we agree, and then I sit back and wait for Pam to follow through with what she said, <laughs> rather than, no, she agreed in theory, but it's still more on my shoulders to lead the charge if I'm the one that's wanting it more. Yeah, and so, who, I, and I, you know, there's questions to that, who pursued in the first place, uh, are you, is the has the picture changed on pursuit and that kind of thing since yeah dating yeah i mean uh, you can you can go through and unpack a lot of the different things with you because we need to be bringing in family of origin issues and marriage issues that are now a new family of origin because you're in your second one and so all of those nuances play out and impact you but it's it's recognizing that when you're facing what's right in front of you how do you face that as best you can rather than what you wish it was or what it used to be? You've got to deal with reality right in front of you. And when you can do that, I think typically we find better ways to, to confront it. That's when the best in us rises up. That's when we're able to see the data for what it is and say, you know what? I'm really interested in this tonight. I'm not going to try to put out the weather balloons to see, to test her. I'm just going to set up a scenario and then we're going to see if it happens. And if it doesn't, all right, marriage is a long game. I got another shot later. I'll go for it then. Is that good as a wife? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, want to be pursued and I, I think that's a key. Good. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. 